All right, welcome to another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. We are on Spotify as well as SoundCloud. My name is David Strukel. I mean, I'm an assistant professor of communication at Hiram College and also the director for the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship. With me, as always, is Andrew White. He is the professor of psychology and the coordinator of the sport management program also at Hiram College. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we addressed the, I guess, the Rootstown situation and the issues they had going on there with the football program, and where the football coach resigned after a player was reinstated to the football team after being kicked off for using racist language towards a black player. Two board members resigned, including the one who asked the football coach to step down after the coach disciplined the player. Now, from, this is from the Record Courier. Discussions have begun to start the healing process. Over the next few weeks, meetings will be set up to invite the community. Those meetings will, according to the local NAACP president, Geraldine Hayes Nelson, they will serve as an assessment of the situation, and from there, the group will divide into smaller groups to target areas of concerns through workshops, trainings, or webinars. And also, area clergy and other community, community leaders are helping to facilitate the meetings. And, Andrew, you, you do a lot of team, build, team building stuff and that with teams or what have you. Uh, looks like this is an all-in process for Rootstown in terms of getting things back on the track. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. They have everyone who involved seems to be involved, um, multiple different layers there. Uh, they've got the experts involved as well as the people involved in the community and the incident. And I, I like that they're breaking up into smaller groups. You can facilitate some conversation better that way, bring it back to a large group, share those conversations. And uh, it's a process, but it looks good that they're working on that. I think, and I agree, I think the thing I like about the small group idea, obviously there's going to be some uh, raw feelings here they're going to have to discuss. And I think doing this in a small group setting will enable people to maybe share those feelings a little bit more openly than trying to do in front of a an auditorium or board kind of setting. So I, I like the approach they're taking here. Absolutely. Let's move on to another situation uh, that's been in the news for like the entirety of 2020, and that's COVID-19. Uh, not just sports, but I guess the entire world, but it's intersected with sports quite a bit. Florida uh, has been a hot spot for COVID-19. And Governor Ron DeSantis told the Miami Dolphins earlier this week they can have a full-capacity stadium at Hard Rock of 65,000 fans. Uh, Dolphins are going to stick with 13,000 for their next home game, which is October 25th against the Chargers. Uh, the other reports say that this could also impact Florida's other two NFL teams, the Jaguars as well as the Buccaneers. And my big thing, Andrew, why? First of all, me being a Dolphins fan, Dolphins are one and three. How are you going to get 65,000 people into a stadium to watch a one and three football team? I would be one, though. But all joking aside, secondly, we're in the middle of a pandemic. The president of the United States last weekend was hospitalized after testing positive, and he appears to be pulling out of the next debate, which was planned to be, vert to be online. That's a whole other story. But and then to the third point of the South Florida Sun Sentinel newspaper said that yesterday Florida reported 3,306 new COVID-19 cases, the highest daily total in nearly three weeks. And Andrew, um, public health has got to be a concern. And I think for the good of sports, 
this this seems like one of those no-brainer calls that I wish someone would just be the adult or take the level-headed <laughs> approach and say, hey, this isn't going to work here. Now, the other reports I've seen of the NFL, we've got a lot of games that are being moved around now because I think it's the Tennessee Titans have had several yes. players test positive. Yeah, north of 20, I think. They're somewhere around 26, I think. And, you know, and I, I thought I saw recently, where, well, Cam Newton tested positive recently. And, you know, that's one of those deals where it's like, I get it, you got to play the game, but also you have to make the interest or the decisions in the interest, best interest of the team. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've had some conversations with other people about this, and it's just frustrating and disheartening that we have to almost lean on professional sport organizations to make the right call because the people who are elected to look out for the well-being of their entire state are making decisions that just don't line up with the science and it's really not in the dolphins interest to limit their seating you could have 65,000 people buying tickets and buying drinks and buying food but we have to rely on them to do the right thing to protect the state and that's just so backward yeah and if you plan for that kind of gathering i can't even think of the number of temperature checks and what have you just a, that's just a logistical nightmare uh, yeah yeah and just, it just takes one person and it can spread incredibly quickly throughout that crowd yeah and to figure out where that person might have contracted it from just nearly impossible well let's stick with the miami dolphins another another story as i mentioned the dolphins are one and three and from what i've seen in preseason publications so far disappointing and Dolphins have had a couple home games at Hard Rock Stadium, and the head coach, Brian Flores, and the GM, Chris Greer, oftentimes they meet throughout the work week. They look at film, and then that discussion probably has come up once or twice. The Dolphins, of course, drafted Tua from Alabama as a future quarterback, but now the discussion is, amongst some Dolphins fans, is when do you bench Ryan Fitzpatrick? 37 years old. He's been in the league uh, since I think Red Grange played. Um, so a lot of people wonder, when do you make that call? And a lot of people are saying, well, the coach has to feel when the time is right to put Tua in. Now, keep in mind, Tua has come back, or he's trying to come back from a serious injury, but from all looks and accounts, he appears to be fine. But again, the coaching thing, when is the right quote-unquote time to yank a veteran and play a rookie? Yeah, uh, that, I mean, that's really individualized. And with Tua, he's coming back from the injury. If things are all clear there and he's caught up to speed with the team and his actual like fitness, then at that point it becomes more of a where are we as a team situation this year, where do we want to go? So at one and three, I guess, statistically, they're far far away away from being eliminated from any sort of playoffs whether they think that's a realistic opportunity or not um, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with Fitz for a little while longer but once it seems like the writing's on the wall for the playoffs then they might start peppering in a little more to uh, and maybe move that transition uh, because you have a quarterback who's doing pretty well despite the team's record uh, on his job he seems to be doing alright so 
is it worth taking that step backward to get someone else acclimated to this level? Probably if you're looking multiple years down the road and you want to get the reps in now when your season's lost anyway, rather than sacrificing some of the important wins that may get you into the playoffs in years to come. Yeah, Fitz is ninth in the NFL statistically statistically amongst quarterbacks. He's not doing too badly. He's thrown a few picks, but again, one and three. And like you said, I think maybe that point of, okay, are we going to make the playoffs? Are we not going to make the playoffs? When when is it safe to actually put the rookie in there in some kind of low-stakes situation? I think just to get his feet wet. And I, I think that's one of those... So many intangibles, so many variables that the coaches have to look at in terms of when to inject the new talent on the uh, roster. Sure, and I don't know what Fitzpatrick's view on that is either. If he understands, all right, I'm at the point of my career where I'm going to be taking more of a mentorship role, then that makes it a little bit easier to flip that switch and start giving to a few more reps and he gets a great opportunity to learn from somebody who's had the experience of being in many different systems so he can provide a lot of uh, wisdom of the game for this rookie yeah and great point because when the Dolphins drafted Tua and they asked Fitz Magic about this and he said he understands what his role is on the team he's the old guy he's there to provide veteran leadership and show the kids the ropes of playing in the NFL. So he gets it. And I I think of all the veteran quarterbacks in the league and what have you, I think that he would understand that when, if he gets into a game and as we've seen in the, whatever, 16 years or so that he's been in the league, that when he has one of those three, four and five interception games, he'll understand. I I think he'll get it when coach Flores says, Hey Ryan, we're going to put into a, it's not working today. He'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, and I would not be surprised if we see some transition over the next, uh, I don't know, give it a month. And if we haven't seen any any Tua on the field yet, I'd be a little surprised. All right, I'm putting you down officially for a month. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. the timeline. All right. So last thing we got to talk about, Game 5 is tonight in the NBA Finals in the bubble. Lakers up 3-1. And I have to say, as a lifelong Lakers fan, I've – follow coaches from Pat Riley, uh, Paul Westhead, uh, let's see, Phil Jackson, Magic Johnson was a coach for a little while, uh, Mike Dunleavy, I can't believe, uh, uh, oh gosh, let me think, of who, who was the guy, Kurt Rambis actually coached the Lakers for a little bit, Mike Brown, when you coach the Lakers, you're going to get some headlines, you're going to be in the spotlight quite a bit, and I have to say that for this year, Frank Vogel has been so under the radar and I I, I don't know if it credit the pandemic for keeping a lot of stuff out of the spotlight or what have you but I haven't read or seen a whole lot of Frank Vogel and LeBron James earlier had credited Frank Vogel for the Lakers being great this season and um, he's Frank Vogel's taken in stride of course he said he handled the praise the same way he's handled coaching by deflecting attention and empowering others and he said it means everything to me but honestly I'm here to just do the job I have no ego in this I just want to play my part and create a plan put guys in position to be tied together and tie the strings together he's LeBron has been invaluable in terms of earning that buy-in his support of me has meant everything for a group to me that's the greatest sign of a leader is one that supports the coach. So mutual respect there from Frank Vogel as well as LeBron James, but we've heard a lot of good things there. The buy-in, playing your part, 
even the coach has a role in being the quote-unquote team player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the coach is 100% part of the team. I, when we look at the team, you've got the players, you've got the coaches, you've got the managers. You, The whole unit is the team. And a lot of times we think of the team as just the players, but they are a really important part of that. And then not just in the X's and O's ways, but the chemistry has to be there with the coach too. And you've seen that even with LeBron, um, with David Blatt, that chemistry was not good. And team struggled for it and Black was out. Good point, because in the past and other teams where LeBron has played, David Blatt, a lot of skepticism when Mike Brown was in Cleveland about who exactly was coaching the team and what have you. Mm -hmm. And me being the Lakers fan, I got to be honest with you, man, is that when they hired Frank Vogel, I was like, what? Who? (laughs) Uh, Because, of course, they've had Luke Walton, they've had Teron Liu, Monty Williams. They, They were looking at so many other guys, and when Frank Vogel was like, plan G (laughs) Um, I thought oh my goodness how is this going to work out and the fact that he's stepped into the role has the support of LeBron James and the mutual respect that is there this this has gone better than I anticipated and I think many other fans can say the same yeah and you know you see a lot of teams going for a splashy hire like Steve Nash getting picked up and it might it might be great for them that who knows we haven't seen it yet and that Lakers hiring Vogel was I don't know almost like the the bland option they they went for their safety choice rather than making a splash and it's paying off he's reliable he's smart he, he seems to get along well with players and he has a track record of getting teams to be successful Paul George exploded under him uh, I believe that was with Vogel as coach and they were on the cusp of being a great team in Indiana and so he has that track record and uh, as far as the headlines go I'm some of it has to do with the pandemic right like the NBA season was shut down mm-hmm. and they didn't play I mean they played most eh, most of the season maybe a little over half the season I think but the shutdown was kind of in that range where there's just not a whole lot of interest and publicity about the NBA quite yet. They weren't ramping up for the playoffs, so it was kind of in the the dead zone. So had the season continued on, we might see a little more headlines, but the Lakers are winning, so there's not too much to complain about. Yeah, you know, in coaching, there's so many things that can be a successful coach, and I think we've addressed this a few times before. Phil Jackson had his own way of coaching. Pat Riley had his own way of coaching. Uh, I'm sure there have been a ton of studies about common traits that make a coach successful. Are, are there some intangibles that when people interview coaches or say, okay, uh, Coach Andrew White, he checks this box, or, yeah, he's, he's definitely got this personality trait down. Uh, are there things, commonalities that are there that maybe the Lakers saw in Frank Vogel versus the Toronto uh, I mean, Go ahead. Kind of, but there's not necessarily a trait or a set of traits that are going to work for every coach in every situation. So you want to make sure, and you'll hear a lot of athletes and organizations talk about fit and the characteristics of that coach really need to line up with the characteristics and the needs of the athletes and of the organization. If you are, I don't know, pick a team. If you are, uh, who's, uh, I don't know. The Clippers looking Golden for State a coach. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the Clippers, sure. 
totally different scenario than if you are the Minnesota Timberwolves or uh, the Phoenix Suns. The Clippers are there. They have an incredible amount of talent on the team. They don't have a whole lot of development that has to happen. If you look at some of the younger teams where there's some talent there, they're younger, they're not quite there yet, they're in a developmental process. So what you need out of a coach in those different situations is drastically different. And you just want to make sure you get the right fit. Yeah, good call. A lot of things factor in that in terms of where the organization and team are. It's not like uh, NBA team would put out like a dating profile and say, well, does Frank Vogel like a long walk on the beach? Uh, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, the, and NBA is different than other sports, right? When you have a sport that, you know, you have, I guess, 16 or so guys on the active roster, but they're not all playing. That's a lot different than an NFL team where you have ten times that probably on some level of your roster and then there are other sports where it's more of a, an individual sport where maybe you're co-acting like a track and field mm-hmm. you might be a sprinter and you run 100 meter dash well yeah that contributes to the team but you're doing that on your own that's really different than when you're dependent on the other people the other players on uh, the team as well Sounds good. Well, Andrew, as we prepare for LeBron and company to pop the champagne tonight, and I I was bragging about this to my sports journalism class yesterday, and I took some heat. Well, I didn't mean for that for it to be that way, but I took some heat from some students who are uh, Jimmy Butler fans uh, and Miami Heat yeah. fans. They said, hey, Miami's going to win on Friday. I said, well, we'll, we'll talk next week. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Lakers in five in round one, two, and three, so... Yeah, we'll see. Five seems to be their number. Yeah, indeed. All right, sir. Well, hey, hope you have a good good day today, and uh, we'll talk again in two weeks. Sounds great. You too. Thanks, right. everyone. Take care.